there, I'm Dr. Jacqueline Chaffee, Vice President at Emerson and Wellevate and a naturopathic doctor myself. I'm so grateful to be sitting again with Michelle Strasberger. Uh, Michelle is Emerson's HR director. She's a total rock star. Um, she's been in businesses big and small and you know, really I can honestly say that like everything I've learned about being a manager has been from you. Oh wow, I'm so flattered. Yeah, Thank you. well, that, I don't know if I'm a great manager, but <laughs> but really, we focus a lot on that here inside the building, and you know, we've really learned under a couple of different models for management and coaching, and I just think that this is something that's really lacking that might impact, you know, how well we're able to use our staff in a small practice environment. You know, are they doing enough? Are they doing the right things? And also retention. I think a lot of times people lose good people because they're maybe not managing them the way they need to so that that employee can really be happy mm -hmm. at work. Mm -hmm. So this is a juicy topic. It is. It's a heavy topic. It's a heavy topic. But I think it's one of the most important. And, you know, I'll start by just kind of sharing you know, I was in a management role in my practice. I started as a solo practitioner. I bought a practice and then I brought on other clinicians, but they were all independent. And then together we decided we really need to have someone in the office to help us manage things. Um, and then we moved into a bigger environment with multiple staff and, you know, the management of people and I would say like direct staff, but also kind of management of all the other independent people is really hard. <laughs> It's really hard. And I think it's actually harder in a practice environment than it is in a structured organization with like a formal org chart like we have here. Um, and I, a lot of it, I think, comes down to just expectations and what are the expectations of what you have control over and what you don't and what you're supposed to be doing and what you're not. Um, so I learned so much from being here and I'm hoping that we can share some of this with the practitioners who are listening because I'm guessing that if you're here, it's probably because management keeps you up at night and it's really hard. Is it hard for everybody? Yeah, I would say leadership is a journey. And I've been in a leadership position, I don't want to say how many years, but a long time. You're still young and beautiful. <laughs> I'll date You're myself. Um, and I think there's still things that I face as a leader that it causes me to pause and say, wow, I. I don't know how to respond and mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. And, and I think that's okay. And we, ha I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as leaders to know the answers and to be that, not know it all, but I'm supposed to have all the answers. And when you yeah. don't, it's a scary place to be and it can keep you up at night. Yeah. You're like the authority, like you're supposed right. to be able to know how to do it right. Mm -hmm. And everyone turns to you to do it right. And right. that's a lot of pressure. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Michelle, you certainly are instrumental in like helping create the structure of how we run things here at Emerson. And whenever someone is overperforming or underperforming, it comes to you <laughs> to help figure out how to manage yeah. the situation. So you've probably seen it all. And then also, I think if it's okay for me to share, Michelle's husband's also a lawyer and a small business owner. So, mm -hmm. you know, she probably does a lot of his HR coaching too <laughs> for John, helping John get it right. And I'm sure that a lot of his challenges are very similar to what like we as small business owners face mm -hmm. too. Yeah. I mean, I've worked in like the last film, um, both fortune 500s and in small organizations and being a leader, it, it's the same. Mm -hmm. You have the same challenges. You have to develop people. You have to have difficult conversations. You get to have great, um, opportunities. I got an email yesterday from one of my former employees and she's, she said, I'm so thankful because I'm here today because of you. 
Um, and so you get those great moments that just lift you up and say, wow, I, I love leadership. And then you get the moments that go, ugh, <laughs> yeah, we've had, doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit first about what are the qualities of a good manager or a good leader. I like how you call it leadership instead of management. What are really some of the key things that like we need to have as people to be able to be good leaders within our organizations? Mm -hmm. My favorite definition of a leader is somebody who has followers. Um, and it seems very basic, but you have to have a vision and you, people want to know where you're going. Um, and, and it starts young. I heard somebody say, you know, my, my son was a leader in kindergarten, a carpet leader to go to the carpet. And he had the kids following him because they knew where he was going. He was going to the carpet. And, you know, do your people know? what mm. carpet you're going to, where you're going, and where what your dreams are. So mm -hmm. you have to have that vision. I think it's important. You have to be able to communicate that. Um, and I also think as a leader, having understanding and empathy as well, mm. because every employee situation is different and you need to be able to understand and assess things differently. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. So let's talk a little bit about the fundamentals. You know, when it comes to working with a team, what is it that the team needs? And the things that come to mind for me are, you know, communication and what are the best ways to communicate in that kind of environment? Is it in a group? Is it one-on-one? -on -one? Is it both? Let's maybe start with that. Um, I would say both. So I've heard some statistic and I don't know where it came from, but you have to hear something 13 times before you retain it. So just saying it in a group mm. or just saying it in person is not gonna be effective. Um, some people communicate better actually over email. Mm -hmm. um, so you can tell them and the person says, yes, okay, sure. And then you never hear from them again. But if you sent them an email, they would have followed up on it. Um, so really understanding how those individuals on your team like to communicate because everybody comes to the table differently. Mm -hmm. um, in my team, I do a weekly huddle um, with them on a Monday morning of what do we have to attack this week in HR just like a practitioner is very different mm. because things change by the minute um, but we try our best of saying this is what I have to tackle and this is what I need from the team and it sets us off on the right foot where we're all on the same page mm -hmm. um, and then throughout the week I have one-on-ones with the individual folks and that seems to work for us so that's a pretty good cadence generally like a team meeting once a week and then one-on-one -on -one meetings once a week with staff mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and tell me a little bit about how we can best make sure that each member of the team is really doing the best that they can for our practice and for our businesses. I think coaching is a great skill. Um, and people toss coaching and mentoring kind of around together. Mm -hmm. um, and they can be simultaneous where you're sharing your stories, which is mentoring to get somebody when I was in that position or when I was there, especially if you're mentoring a younger practitioner. Um, but coaching is really getting somebody to think differently. So mm -hmm. instead of somebody coming to you and saying, how do I use the copy machine? How do, and you make the copies for them, you actually push them to use the copy machine so that they're not coming to you for answers. They're actually figuring it out on their own, um, kind of teaching them to fish and not giving them the fish. Now we've talked before a little bit about the balance of kind of control as a, you know, especially the business owner, you want everything to go a certain way. What are the ways that we can kind of reflect in ourselves when it comes to coaching? Cause it sounds like if you're teaching someone to fish, within us, there has to be a little bit of letting go mm -hmm. in order to let that happen. And, you know, is, are there any tips or tricks you've learned when, you know, they're just not doing it the same way that you might 
And when do you speak up and when do you let it go? Mm -hmm. It's hard. It probably depends more on your personality. <laughs> Can you personality. tell I struggle with this? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I have to, uh, myself as well, when somebody comes to me with a question, I have to give myself a trigger to say, don't answer, mm. right? Because it's so easy to just say, here's the answer and spit it out. You know, this is what I would do. Mm -hmm. um, or you're doing it wrong because this is the way I've always done it. Um, and push it back on them. Why are you doing it that way? Yeah. You know, to walk me through your process. Why are you coming? How are you coming to that answer? What would you do, right? So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, Jacqueline, I have this situation. I'm not sure how to handle it. Customer asked, blah, blah, blah. Instead of saying, oh, here's the answer. Say, well, what do you think? Because mm. they have an answer. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's not the right answer, you know, walk them through it. And coaching's all about asking questions to get them to think differently. And that's going to bring them to the next level. Um, if you just have an exercise of them coming into your office or your workspace saying what's the answer and you give them the answer, nobody's developing. You're not getting things off your plate mm -hmm. and they're not really learning and growing. That's a great point. It's not really good for anyone. No. It only serves that moment and it has no future benefit versus investing that time in more of a coaching model where you really can help that person be more independent, which is probably what they want too, mm -hmm. right? And it seems like maybe part of it is also when they come to you with questions like that, that when you say to them, well, how would you handle it? And then you say, you're spot on. I think that's what you should do. That there's probably a level of confidence and trust that gets established between you guys too. That probably has benefit for the mm -hmm. future. Yeah, I had a, an employee, we would laugh all the time because she goes, I know you're going to ask me what I think. <laughs> and she's like, I just don't know. So, and she's like, I need you to tell me. And that's fine because she's just asking, you know, instead of you just spitting it out, she's saying, I've racked my brain. I've come up mm -hmm. with all of these suggestions and I don't know which one. Mm -hmm. Can you help me get there? And that's, that's not necessarily telling them what to do um, at that point. And that's still developing them. You know, it's probably a lot like coaching patients to be mm -hmm. real. I mean, when you're trying to get patients okay. to make behavior change in their life, we have to use a lot of those same skills to say, well, you know, tell me what you're eating right now. You know, okay, well, how do you think that's working for you or not? How do you feel a couple hours after you eat that? And we use questions, we call it motivational interviewing mm -hmm. in the medical space versus coaching, but it sounds to me like there's just so much overlap between that because what you're trying to do is establish confidence and independence in the person in front of you. And you might have like the information information or mm -hmm. the answers, but ultimately you're really hoping that that translates to that other person, patient or employee to be able to develop those on their own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes time. I mean, I can hear, I can hear some of you saying, Oh, I don't have time for that in the background. Um, but the more you do it, the more independent that person is going to be. And the more time you're going to earn on the back end. It is a huge time commitment. And mm -hmm. I think that is a big challenge in the short term, but it's an investment. Mm -hmm. You know, coaching is definitely an investment in people and people right. want that. Now, it used to be where our parents and grandparents worked for a company for 30, 40, 50 years and retired from the company they started working at. And now the average tenure is about three years for employees. And so the more you show that you're interested in their growth and their potential and you're coaching, developing them, the longer they're going to stay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that is a great transition to really my next question, which is, you know, setting goals. You know, I think when you look at, when you mentioned like being able to share your vision, I think a huge gap for a lot of 
leaders and followers, you know, associates, employees, whatever you're calling them. One big gap is that people aren't clear on what they should be doing or what their priorities are. And I think priorities are such a big challenge in a busy, bustling practice. So mm-hmm. that's something that I think we do here really well is really formally setting goals. We do it on an annual basis here. And I'm hoping that you can share a little bit about that because this was really your process that you implemented because you felt like it was important. So can you tell us a little bit about goal setting and how that would translate into a smaller practice environment and what you get out of that? And then we can talk about how to do it. Yeah, having that vision, like I said before, is really important, but the employee also wants to know where they're going. Um, And so that's the whole goal setting process. So what are we gonna focus on this year? And in many organizations, they use the term cascading goals. So we have this goal as an organization to grow so many times and then that cascades down through the organization. So how do I, as your office manager or your receptionist, support that goal, right? How do I fit into that puzzle piece? And that's what you're really trying to tell them. Um, And so we have a goal template that we use and it's actually very conversational between the employee and the manager. So the manager will talk to the employee at a one-on-one and say, okay, it's time to set goals for next year. Um, Why don't you start and take a Mm -hmm. stab at it so that you're not just telling them, here's what I need you to do. You're actually getting their perspective. Um, And then you come together and you talk about it and you set goals. It's a great way to get Mm buy-in as well because they're saying I took part in this and I told Jacqueline that I wanted to do X, Y, and Z and it's there so I have to live up to it. And then I would also check in with them very regularly on the goals and make sure they're refinable because things change Mm -hmm. so often. So we look at our goals quarterly and we refine them quarterly um, because things may change. That goal may no longer be relevant because we are taking a different direction Mm -hmm. um, or we just need to focus on this. So that goal needs to be weighted heavier. Okay. So we can share the goal template. I think that would be a humongous benefit and it's really nice. And I can tell you about some of my favorite things about it, but I think first, When we talk about cascading goals, so goals for a practice might be around like how many new patients you want to add to your practice next year, or it might be revenue driven, or it might be customer satisfaction driven, or it might be that you want to shorten the length of time it takes to go through some kind of process, like for labs to come in and for them to get put into a chart and then reviewed by a doctor. There could be all different kinds of company-wide or practice-wide goals. Mm -hmm. But I think you're right that each individual wants to know how their contribution is going to help us as a team reach mm-hmm. the practice goals. Um, so really kind of drawing that corollary is important. I would also say too um, that you want to tell them or you want to define what done looks like because mm, it's so easy to keep going and saying or, or just checking the box and saying I'm done and it's not done. So yet. one of the things we do is we say what does it mean to what does it look like physically mm-hmm. or on paper what does it look like when you meet the goal what would it look like to under meet it yeah what are the minimum there? thresholds and then what does it mean to like knock it out of the park what would it look like if you delivered 130 percent so what does it do to like really define that for each staff member what does that do for them because then they know when they're done 
Right. Then they know if it's a project or um, they know when they've achieved it or they know how they how they have to get there. Mm -hmm. And they know that if I do this, I'm going to achieve my goals. But if I do this, then I'm really going to impress my boss or I'm going to blow it out of the park. So I'll just speak a bit to that in my own experience of that goal tool, which we'll share, because I think that that definition of what it looks like to be successful and what it looks like to achieve that goal is really key. And I've found it difficult sometimes to define that, especially for something that's ongoing, like successfully answering the phone and fielding questions from a customer um, or from patients because it's ongoing. So what are the ways that you can quantify what it would look like? And that's something to think about. And it's a lot of work at the front end, but the nice thing is at the back end, it makes it so much easier because when you're reviewing someone for how successful they've been in the role, really, there shouldn't need to be a lot of discussion around it because you see what happened. You can compare it to the sheet. And when that person comes in to sit down and review with you, hopefully you're both on the same page because you've already defined it. You know what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. You know, I've found that it saves a lot of work on the back end and it makes the review process so much easier. Right, because it also quantifies it. So mm-hmm. instead of a manager picking a number from one to five, you know, one being you're not performing and five being you're excellent, it's very arbitrary and saying, mm, I think you're a three. Mm-hmm. Um, and this says you did it or you didn't do it. And it makes it much cleaner and you've both agreed to it. You've both come to the table and said this is important. And it's very hard to dispute that because mm-hmm. you either did it or didn't. Um, and then for achievement levels, I would look at those metrics that you mentioned earlier. Um, is it revenue driven? Is it um, you know time to process claims? You know, did you reduce mm-hmm. that time by X percentage? Um, is it a customer satisfaction rating um, or things like that? Yeah, and thinking about how you might quantify that. Like if customer satisfaction is important, maybe doing an end of year survey of your patients through SurveyMonkey or some free tool to help to get some numbers in there that allow you to track over time how someone's doing versus that more subjective view, which in my experience, whenever you're subjectively rating someone of like, oh, you met or you didn't meet expectations, then there becomes like an argument of, well, I think I did. And you're like, well, I don't think you did. And you know, then you have to defend yourself. And when it's not specific at the outset or measurable at the outset, it becomes a lot more challenging later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about We've talked kind of generally about coaching and about goal setting. Can we talk a bit about what to do when someone's underperforming? I know this is not everybody's favorite topic, but I'm sure that some of you listening are probably sitting in this situation. Maybe you've communicated it and maybe you haven't. So let's start with how do you even initiate a conversation when an employee's really not meeting your expectations? Um, I would first make sure you're setting the expectation. So have the expectation set and then have a follow-up. Regular feedback is really important and the more timely, the better. It might be that you see it in the moment, right? And and if there's customers there, don't address it. (laughs) Pull the person aside, hey, do you have a minute? And pull them into your office and say, "I I just saw this, you know, tell me about it. Why did that happen? Um, and go into detail, Mm. um, explain the impact. So this is the behavior Then explain the impact. So I witnessed you yelling at a customer. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but Mm. I witnessed that the impact on that is that we may lose that customer, right? And that one of our core values is to maintain our customer relationship. So we can't lose our customers. Um, Mm. and so he, and then restate the expectations going forward. 
you know, if you get frustrated with a customer, come into my office. I know we say that as, a lot as leaders. If you're frustrated, come in and talk to me and yell mm-hmm. and scream and vent. Um, but don't do it out there. Mm-hmm. Don't do it in front of the customers. Um, so restate the expectation. And then if you need to schedule a follow-up and, and follow up with them and make sure you're following up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just a quick, hey, I noticed this happened and it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. But if they're not made aware of it, um, they're not going to change the behavior. That's a great point. So big things or little things. Make sure that the expectation is clear. I think we do have to ask ourselves first, are we responsible for this by not letting them know what our expectation was, mm-hmm. right? Um, when it comes to having that tough conversation, you're going to love that I still remember this because it was one of the coaches that you brought in that put something in my head that I still use as a mantra before I have to have any difficult conversation with a team member. And what I say to myself is, with love in my heart and care and concern for the business, you know where this came from? And I think about that and I have it as a mantra with love in my heart and care and concern for this business, you know, and it really puts me in the place of like first empathy and compassion and understanding that sometimes we have employees that are going through difficult things personally that might make it tougher to do their job or, you know, you never know. You just don't know. But care and concern for the business, meaning that it's my job to be a steward of our organization. And that means I have to have the tough conversations but and, and explain the impact and also do it with compassion. So that's kind of my mantra is with love in my heart and care and concern for the business, I need to talk to you about this, you know? <laughs> I love that. And whether I say it out loud or just internally, it really helps me to like get in the right frame of mind to make sure I'm direct and I'm addressing what the impact is, but I'm also doing it with compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we owe it to our employees to give them feedback that it's important and we're letting them down as leaders if we're not doing that because they don't know. Mm-hmm. And feedback both on the positive side and constructive side. Um, so when they're doing something great, wow, I just noticed mm-hmm. this. This is exciting. Thank you for doing that because um, that reinforces the positive behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, can we talk a little bit about like generational changes and what helps employees be happy. I know that's a whole other video. I know, maybe we do need to make this a separate video, but any like quick tips? Cause I do feel like, you know, if you have a staff person who's like, I know we can't talk about age, but like, you know, you have a staff person who's older versus a staff person who's new in the working world. It seems like there's a little bit of a difference in expectation or in what they need to be happy and successful. I kind of straddle that. so. I don't know that I have a firm understanding of either, but can you just briefly touch on mm-hmm. what you think some of those key things are or maybe how things have changed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there is in, in different generations, and this is the, f- the first time ever that we actually have four generations in the workplace. So mm-hmm. it is a hot topic um, in HR and talent engagement. Um, but there's a lot of talk of the millennials and what the millennials are bringing to to organizations because they are now making up the majority of mm-hmm. our workplaces. Um, and if you think about how a millennial grew up, if you you are one or you had one, it, it used <laughs> to be, um, you know, that that they were at playdates or they were at school, and after school they were at after school programs, and then they would play sports or whatever. And they always had somebody along the way telling them what to do and what not to do, and then they come into the workplace and we say, okay, here's your desk, here's your computer, here are the keys, drive. Mm. And nobody telling them what to do. And, um, and, and I'm not saying you have to tell them what to do, but constantly be in contact with them. So if you're giving them a project, how do I break that down? 
right? What are the steps? Let's mm. break it down together. Doing the coaching. Um, it used to be performance reviews were done once a year, and now it's really turning into getting rid of performance reviews and just having conversations on the spot. Um, so when they they do a presentation or you know they they do something in that moment, ask them, mm-hmm. how do you think that went? What were, what were your learnings from that experience? Mm-hmm. Um, and the more you do it, the more you get comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And even though it might be, oh my gosh, that was horrible, that presentation was horrible, they know that, mm-hmm. right? And so ask them, how do you think that went? What was the feedback? What could you do better next time? Um, so that it continues to develop them and grow them. And then you always are on the same page mm-hmm. every day. That seems to be a big yeah. thing. You know, really making sure that you are seeing the situation the same way. Mm-hmm. Where the baby boomers, and the the traditionalists, if you saw some of those in your organizations, they just want to work, right? And they want to work here till retirement um, and no news is good news. And Mm. so if I don't hear from my boss, I'm good and I'm just going to keep moving on. So there is a big difference in communication and communication styles. Yeah, there seems that the millennial generation, they want more feedback. They want to know what they can improve on. Mm-hmm. They want to know, they want to be patted on the back when they do a good job. And it seems like sometimes if that communication is missing, that leads to a gap in satisfaction in their role too. Mm-hmm. Even if they're like getting the work done, if they're not getting the conversation around it, there's a piece that's missing for them oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's wrap with another kind of big topic, which is compensation. Now, I've seen among my colleagues, like, and I think a lot of us have felt this way, where we feel almost hijacked by the employee or by the staff person in a small environment, especially if it's someone you really rely on. Like, say you have an office manager who's great, and you feel like you're paying everything you can, uh, but they come to you and they ask for a raise. Or maybe they don't, but you want them to know they're valued, and so you almost self-hijack by thinking you should be giving them a bigger raise than maybe you should. So can we talk a bit about how do we level set and like kind of get real with ourselves and with our team about compensation? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of resources out there that are free. Um, I wouldn't use that as the um, the truth because mm-hmm. <laughs> there there's some waiting out there, some self-reporting, but it gives you a good... Um, grounding and saying whether you're totally off on compensation or you're kind of in you're kind of in the ballpark and for office manager jobs they're so different from company Mm. to company um so when you go through your recruitment process gauging what people are asking for will give you a good sense of what you should be paying talking to your colleagues too about what they what they're paying and what's Mm -hmm. fair um in the marketplace Typically for for increases for merit on an annual basis, if you do those, the market right now is about two to three percent, um, where it's really small. And I remember when I first started working, I was getting 10, 15 percent increases, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the norm. And that's really changed to more of a cost of living um, adjustment. Okay. So, I, and I would have a conversation with the with the employee. So find out where their head's at. What are they looking for? they might just say, look, I want to make 20 cents an hour more, or I just mm-hmm. want a little bit more flexibility at the end of the day. Can I leave at four instead of five? And maybe you don't have to give them any more money. Mm-hmm. Just let them leave at four instead of five. Yeah. Sometimes that reward can be different than monetary. Maybe they want education or access to a new opportunity or more vacation time or something that you might be able to better accommodate versus a salary increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So use those coaching skills, ask questions. 
um, find out why, what they're looking for. What does that look like for them? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I think we could probably talk all day about coaching. It's, certainly, it's a learning process. And I think just reflecting back on what you said at the beginning, like we are all on the pathway to becoming better leaders and it's an iterative process. So if you screw up and you know you will, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, what are some resources that people might have? Do you have any favorite books or do you recommend that they find a coach to actually help them talk through the challenges they have or maybe just our peers? Any good recommendations? Oh, there's a lot out there. They, I just finished reading um, Drive by Daniel Pink. And I think mm -hmm. he's a great author. And that really talks about motivation. Um, there's the, I think it's called the One Minute Leader, and that talks about coaching and development as well. So there's some great resources. If you just did a Google search on coaching, there's a ton out there. And we read the book, The Art of Coaching. I don't remember the, the author's name, but it was a very simple concept that had like stepwise fashion of how do you have these kinds of conversations. And I still go back to pieces of that as well. That was a useful mm -hmm. book. Yeah, that's a great one. Well, I'm really grateful for you for hanging in there with us. I'm sure you have questions for Michelle. You're going to have to wait for next time, but you can definitely email them to me if there's more things you want to learn about on the HR front because there's just so much that we could cover. And you'll have to look for some blooper reels. Maybe I can catch Michelle another time to share some of her best stories <laughs> because she's got some doozies. And if you, we have maybe a glass of wine, I can probably get that her would to share be some. <laughs> uh, you know, here and in all the environments that you've worked in. So thank you so much for thank joining. Thank you. Yeah. Um, if you've enjoyed this best practice series and you want to learn more about about really how to make your practice spectacular, be sure to subscribe. We are here on YouTube. You can also find us on Stitcher and iTunes and across pretty much every major channel for podcasts. So thanks so much for joining us today. Um, thank you again, Michelle. Thank you. And here's to your best practice. <laughs>